This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Celebrity Infinity today. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. A lot of cruise news happening. In fact, uh, if you're not catching up on our Cruise Radio news briefs, our Monday through Friday briefs on the Cruise Radio News Channel, you may want to check that out and get caught up to speed. You could find that where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hello, Doug. Princess Cruises names their new ship. Yeah, that's right. It's called Discovery Princess. That's the name of their new ship. And it will hold about 3,600 passengers. This one's being designed specifically as a Princess Medallion class ship, whereas, you know, the older ones were upgraded to handle the Medallion class. And and they had some uh, hiccups in the beginning. So this is good news. So anyway, Discovery Princess will debut in the Med on November 3rd of 2021. The ship will then come over and cruise the Caribbean, South America, and after a Panama Canal transit, the ship will be based in Los Angeles for Mexico and California coastal cruises. Reservations are now open. You know, I think they were supposed to debut this one in 2022, and I think they moved it up to 21, actually. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I know that you know everybody's coming out with so many ships that I can understand why there would be a race to... Um, you know, get it out of the ballpark as soon as possible. It's oversaturation time. Hello. <laughs> uh, Norwegian Cruise Line is going through a change. Yeah, this was took me by surprise, probably everybody. So longtime fixture at Norwegian Cruise Line, Andy Stewart, announced he's leaving as president and CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line. So Stewart said that when he ends his 31-year career at the company in January of 2020, He's going to remain at the company as senior advisor until the end of March. So that will be, what, three full months. Andy joined the company in 1988, and I've been, you know, I've been around for a while in this, and I remember him. He was the face of what was then called NCL, and he was this wonderful liaison to travel agents, and, you know, he worked his way up to president. So uh, another thing that I don't know if everybody knows, but he was really instrumental in introducing the concept of freestyle cruising. So he's left quite a mark on the cruise line as well as the industry. What's the over-under that he's going to Virgin? You know, uh, you and I were sort of tossing that around. And that could Have you heard more? No, I haven't, but I'm just thinking, <laughs> okay, so there's three months left of the year, October, November, December, and then he's staying yeah. on as a consultant through the end of March, which means he yep. probably has a six-month non-compete. Yep, that would be six months, and you know who's launching in April, so... Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Celebrity is tacking on a fee for the beverage perk now. Beginning October 10th, whoever chooses the complimentary beverage package as their perk is now going to be charged and get this $14 per person per day. So, um, yeah, it's no longer free. And, you know, they're trying to justify it. And as we talked about earlier, Norwegian charges gratuities on their complimentary beverage package. So, 
I don't know, I guess the price of booze is going up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair because celebrity has been absorbing this cost for a while. And I mean, Norwegian's charging you 20%. So you're paying over $14 a day with Norwegian. So I think it's just putting celebrity in line with the other folks who are doing it. If one line's going to charge, the other one can say, hey, why shouldn't we? Yeah, and you know, it's still... $14 $14 per person per day for all that you're going to get yeah. is not a, is not exorbitant. Exactly. A new addition to Perfect Day at Coco K is now open for sale. Yep, and I will make it rhyme. So Perfect Day at Coco K's latest edition, Coco Beach Club, will open on January 31st. And the much-anticipated overwater cabanas are now available for booking. So if you haven't heard or read about it or seen ads on TV, Coco Beach Club will be located in its own little private area and can accommodate up to 450 guests at one time. So the overwater cabanas will include a concierge service. They'll have a wet bar and a fresh water shower. Outside, they're going to have a slide so you can go right into the ocean, and there will be a hammock also. Each cabana can hold up to eight people. Prices will begin at just under $1,000 at 999 for the whole cabana. So I did a little bit of math, and if you divide that by eight, it comes out to $125 per person. So, you know, for a whole day short excursion, that's not too bad if you break it down with eight people, you know, find, you know, find people on the boat that want to share a cabana with you. I mean, that's, you know, if you don't travel in a group. So if you don't want to spend all that, you can also rent a beach cabana and the rates for those are somewhere about $700. Um, I try to get some detailed information on Royal's website and nothing is really exact as to how many overwater cabanas and beach cabanas are planned. Um, I did read that uh, there's going to be 20 of the overwaters and 10 at the beach. But again, the website um, didn't confirm it. Um, Guests who are in this exclusive location will also have access to an infinity pool, outdoor dining, and a nearby floating bar. Norwegian's newest ship is getting closer to the U.S. It is. So on September 30th, Norwegian Cruise Line's fourth Breakaway Plus class ship, the Norwegian Encore, quietly slipped away from dry dock in Germany and began conveyance along the Ems River, heading to the Netherlands and the North Sea. Onboard crew members prepare to welcome their first guests come this November. So once the ship does reach the North Sea, it will begin a series of really grueling sea trials that last for a few weeks, usually two to three weeks. So at nearly 1,100 feet long, 170,000 gross tons, and a capacity of 3,998 guests, Norwegian Encore will be delivered to the cruise line just before Halloween on October 30th. And a little bit of what it's going to be doing. So following its transatlantic crossing to Miami, it will start seven-day Eastern Caribbean cruises that begin on November 24th. Come April, the ship will reposition to New York City for cruises to Bermuda and then Canada and New England when Norwegian Encore returns to Miami for a winter season beginning December of 2020. It will do a series of Western Caribbean cruises and then come spring after a Panama Canal transit, the ship heads north to Seattle and up to Alaska. Wow, Norwegian is really doubling down on Alaska, aren't they? They are. They're making a huge investment up here. So, yeah, they're going to send as many ships as they can possibly fit. 
And before we get to the listener question, Carnival Cruise Line just announced that on October 11th, they'll be going back to Freeport, Bahamas with Carnival Pride and then some 40-something ships through the end of the year over there. So that's good for Freeport. Listener question comes from Nancy. Speaking of Alaska, how important is it to have an itinerary with Glacier Bay versus cruising to Tracy Arm or Hubbard Glacier? Well, I'll give you, Nancy, I can give you a little rundown of the three different ones, and maybe that would help you make your decision. So, um, and I was at all three of these just a couple of months ago. Well, in the summer anyway, because they're they're closed now. But um, so Hubbard Glacier, which I think is absolutely uh, um, tremendous. It's, It's North America's largest tidewater glacier. And it's usually included on cross-gulf cruises. So if you're going, say, from Vancouver or Seattle to Whittier or Seward, chances are your ship will go into Hubbard Glacier. Um, If you're just doing an inside, I shouldn't say just, but if you're doing an inside passage cruise, um, chances are you will have one or the other or maybe both. You'll go to Glacier Bay, which has Marjorie Glacier, which is super active for calving. It's also a tidewater glacier, which, by the way, means it touches the water. Um, It's neither advancing nor receding. And then you also have Johns Hopkins Glacier in there. Um, And that sometimes becomes the alternate glacier if Marjorie Glacier area is closed or there's already a ship that's up close to it. And then third, which you mentioned, Tracy Arm, which is a fjord. And at the end of after you navigate through Tracy Arm Fjord, you end up at Sawyer Glacier. Um, and this really is more, um, it looks sort of like what I would imagine Norway would look like. It has the tall, rocky cliffs with trees here and there, lots of waterfalls. You'll have birds soaring around and a lot of wildlife. So, you know, there, there's three different ones. Um, you can't go wrong with any of them. They're all beautiful. But if your heart is set on Hubbard Glacier, um, then, like I said, you need to do a cross-gulf. If you want to see, and actually, if you go to Glacier Bay, where you have Marjorie Glacier, Johns Hopkins Glacier, and several others, if it's a clear day and you get up to Marjorie, way back in the distance, but it looks like it's right behind it, is the um, the Fairweather Mountain Range, and Mount Fairweather is in there. That's over 15,000 feet tall, and that's just, it looks like you could reach out and touch it, but it's hundreds of miles away. That's how big it is. Um, and if you want something not quite as dramatic but has its own uh, natural beauty, then a cruise through Tracy Arm Fjord to Sawyer to Sawyer Glacier is what you should choose. So you can't go wrong with any of them. It really depends on the itinerary, what ship you're on, and you know what ship has access to Glacier Park because it's a national park. Um, it's highly regulated. They can only allow two ships in at a time. They can't get closer than a half mile um, just because you know of rules. So um, and things can change if the weather's bad, you know, you never know, but, um, all three are beautiful. It just depends on your itinerary. Did I bore everyone to tears? I think we lost half the audience. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from cruisemaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio.
When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Scott just returned on a seven-night cruise in the Mediterranean from Rome to Venice aboard Celebrity Infinity, a ship that was, uh, what was it, Scott, launched in like 2000? Yes, it was. Yeah. And I think they're going to be uh, refurbishing it relatively soon, too. I love that Millennium class of ships, though. They're just oh, yeah. something about those class. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you, sir. So uh, before we get to the med, we're going to take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-night med cruise? Great. Um, so, Doug, uh, the previous year we had done a cruise of the Baltics, and so we hit Northern Europe. Um, we've done Western Europe, and we were finally saying, you know what, we, it's time to hit some of these Southern uh, Mediterranean locations um, or, or Southern European locations in the Mediterranean. So I wanted to give that a shot. Um, I want to take a few of these countries off of my list of places to go. So I heard some good things about Celebrity, wanted to, wanted to give them a, a shot. Um, we ended up booking the cruise, and we actually booked the flights after that. Um, the flight was actually even more than the cruise was. I managed to get just this amazing deal on the cruise, which included uh, like a $300 onboard credit, included the internet package, and included the standard drink package. So, there, I mean, there was a lot of really great things that came along with this. So I was very, very happy with everything that we ended up doing. Um, got a really nice, um, actually kind of a mid-level hotel in Rome. Um, but instead of just sticking with the normal accommodations and the normal room, we actually upgraded the room to the highest level that they had, which was like this really beautiful suite. And so we were right around the corner from Trevi Fountain. Um, so on the day we actually arrived, um, you know, or I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but as far as pre-cruise thoughts, that was the, that was the idea is just making sure it was a really fun time, really just not, not stressing on the flight, having a really great cruise and, and just kind of seeing where, where it takes us. Talk to me about this flight process. You said you paid more than the cruise for it. When you were looking or when you book International Air, where do you start? So normally I start by looking at a number of the, a number of the aggregator sites. Um, I, I went to one that uh, had a lot of these really interesting flights. And so I was looking for something that was going to give us the biggest value for our dollar. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for something that's the least expensive thing that's out there because you, you can find the cheapest air and then you're into, you end up like – 
fitting into a shoebox the whole way there. And when you're traveling for 13 hours from LAX to Rome via Stockholm, in this particular case, you want to make sure that you are comfortable the whole way, and especially because my husband's six foot three. And so uh, we don't want to do economy. So we ended up finding um, kind of a, what was called a premium class, which is not exactly business class, but it's, but it's better than economy. And so it was something that was, you know, a little bit more spacious. It had two seats next to each other. Um, it had a nice footrest. Um, they gave you a little bit more elevated food, uh, unlimited drinks. It, it was a really nice thing. So we splurged a little on the flight, but ironically, that actually ended up being more than the actual cost of the cruise itself. Uh, because again, I was shopping around for probably, I would say somewhere between six and nine months okay. to find the right fit of the cruise that I wanted to find. Um, so to answer your question again, um, you know, looking at the aggregator sites was probably, I think, the best bet in order to be able to do that. So you go to board the ship in Chivashevekia, the port for Rome. How was the embarkation process? The embarkation process was actually pretty good. It was really quick. Um, I would say from, just to give you an idea, the taxi from Rome to the port was about 45 minutes. The the embarkation process took us less than 15 minutes. Uh, We had... um, we had done some stuff ahead of time on the on the website, uh, uploaded my picture, uh, taken, um, you know, pr- printed out these uh, vouchers, mm-hmm. I guess, that get you on a little bit faster. And so there really wasn't that many people in line. Once we actually got on the ship, it was, you know, it, 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 it was just really fast in order to get through that embarkation process, at least in my estimation. You make your way on board. What were your first impressions of Celebrity Infinity? So um, we embarked through the first floor midship of the infinity um and we our, our room is actually on the second floor and um <laughs> we get to the second floor and we don't see the hallway where our room is supposed to be <laughs> and it's like wait a minute i know there's supposed to be a rooms around here somewhere and it turned out that the people who were cleaning had not opened up the wall yet and okay. so they did this like grand thing where they like open up the wall and we get through we get to see our room we have a uh Ocean View Room uh, midship, which is really nice, and it's just right above embarkation. I was a little concerned at first that that was going to be a little bit noisy, but it wasn't. It was actually really, really quiet, and we had no rocking and no teetering through the entire process. Um, We did have a little bit of a problem with the luggage initially, um, which which required some creative solutions from guest services. We actually got our bags, which is about three hours into the... um, into the embarkation process, uh, one of my bags was actually completely destroyed. And I'm not using that word hyperbolically. (laughs) Uh, It was like brand new when it went on. And then all of a sudden it was missing like one of its wheels and uh, the other three were just shredded. And so um, informed guest services of the issue, you know, really polite, kept my calm. Um, they, They had a solution to this, which was actually kind of creative, I thought. Um, what they ended up doing is they said, you know, um, first off, they apologized for the situation. They clearly saw the bag was destroyed. Um, so they had me fill out an incident report. Um, they said, you know, in the next couple of days, we will have a selection of luggage that we'll bring on board. We will find the same, the one that's the same dimension as your bag. Uh, we will replace it, you know, at no charge, just so you have something to get off the ship with. And then afterwards, you can talk with the celebrity guest services once you get back to the States in order to rectify and, and get 
back, you know, basically be made whole again, which yeah. was a really positive process. Yeah, very good. I'm curious because you booked a lower level midship room. Seasickness issues at all? Not at all. No. no. And, and, and we, we had gone on a couple cruises before. Um, really nothing that we were feeling. And we didn't feel, there were times when the ship would be moving where we wouldn't even be able to tell at all that it was moving. And so, like, you didn't book that, you didn't book that spot because you were prone to seasickness and you wanted to be lower and in the middle? No, I okay. actually booked, okay, so my mother, um, she has been in the travel industry since the 1970s. Okay. And so um, we, end, we ended up, uh, she's always like, oh, you want to book midship? It's the best place for you because it doesn't have that much rocking. So I'm like, I'm, I'm always cognizant of her wisdom as <laughs> far as that goes. Um, so I, I, I really, I really take that to heart. How was the stateroom once you got inside as far as space in the restroom and all that? You know, the, the restroom was really spacious. I was actually really impressed. You know, it, uh, I hear people, you know, complain about the, the curtain issue versus the glass window or the glass, uh, uh shower curtain. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fine. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it met our needs. I wasn't expecting, you know, anything above what we had, uh, and, we actually got, I think, a little bit more for the value. Um, it wasn't just this crammed quarters. You know, there was space to walk around. There was a sofa. There was um, a refrigerator. Uh, there was a small flat screen television. There was a writing desk. Um, the the window for the ocean view room was actually pretty sizable. So, again, it, I didn't I didn't find anything wrong with it. And again, I look at something not in terms of price, but as far as value. And I think this actually was probably the best value for us in this specific situation. Let's talk about dining aboard Celebrity Infinity. And we'll start in the main dining room. So what time dining did you have? And how was your experience? So we had any time dining. Um, I'm usually an early diner. I try to go and uh, eat as early as possible. Um, that's just how I, that's just how I roll. <laughs> and so we did two nights of the normal dining room. Um, but then uh, I think we did four nights of the Ocean View Cafe, mm-hmm. uh, which is their buffet. Uh, we did one night for the Tuscan Grill because that was our anniversary. And then we had met some friends on board during the actual trip. And then we ended up going to a, uh, I think it's called Lumine is one of the restaurants that they have on there as well. So we went to that one. Your friends must have been staying in a suite then, huh? They were actually. Yeah, yeah they okay. had a very specialized suite and just, uh, it was it was a really, really wonderful dinner. Um the, like I, I can remember it specifically. Like yeah. there was an Uzmuz bouche with, with gazpacho and a crostini, and there was uh, like a truffle risotto. And then for dinner, I had like uh, lobster with champagne sauce, and nice. they had like a little tray of petit fours, and I got baked Alaska. So I mean, it was it was a really nice spread. I was very proud. <laughs> yeah, they they do it right in their Lumine restaurant on that ship. Um, so the Ocean View Cafe, the buffet on the ship, how was that? Oh, I really liked it. They had a good selection. Um, I, I was really impressed by the variety that they had. At first, I was kind of, kind of taken back by by there not being a continuous line all the way around the buffet because it's broken up uh, at various different intervals and parts. But I also listened to one of your previous uh, uh, podcasts, and I remember hearing a, another person who had who had also gone on a celebrity cruise, and he explained that you know the, one of the reasons that they do that is because they're actually you know, maybe trying to break up those lines. So that way, if you're in the back and you're wanting to get pizza, you you can stand in the pizza line and it's not obstructing, you know, the store fry line and stuff like that. So it makes sense the way they did it. And the lines for most of the area were not really that crazy. Um, traffic was 
a little bit more, I'd say, during the lunch hour timeframes than they were actually during the dinner. Gotcha. Any other spots that you dined aside from Luminae main dining room and the uh, Tuscan? So how was Tuscan, actually? Oh, Tuscan was fantastic. Tuscan was amazing, actually. Um, we, ha- we had just... I had a I, I, for my main course there. I had a fillet, and I also had um, lobster pasta at the same time too. <laughs> um, so it was it was it was spectacular. They they did a really good job there. It, it really wasn't that busy either, and I was impressed with that. Let's talk about entertainment on this seven night cruise, and it's always interesting what folks who sail a Mediterranean cruise say about the entertainment because these med itineraries are just so port intensive. So a lot of people aren't like up, you know, catching the shows because they've been touring port all day and they're crashing right after dinner. But what were your thoughts on the entertainment on Celebrity Infinity? Well, we were the same way, too. Um, (laughs) We really didn't take part in too much of the entertainment. Um, There was something that I thought was kind of interesting. We found on the daily itinerary there was something uh, like an LGBTQ uh, meetup group. So we decided to do that. That was meeting at the Martini Bar. Um, near just above the main atrium area. And so we would do that, and we got a chance to meet a, a number of couples that were up there. Um, so we kind of, you know, had our own lounge time with those people. Um, that was the majority of how we spent a lot of the evenings. Although at one I think there was one day that my husband actually did do the silent disco thing, mm-hmm. and he said that was just amazing. He, he he really got a lot out of that. That's one thing everyone always talks about. Like every time someone says they, they go to a silent disco, whether it's on Celebrity or Norwegian or Royal Caribbean, they just fall in love with it. And they like just so I have yet to do one yet. So I'm hoping to do one soon. But uh, I don't know. Like I'm not really a nightclub person. So I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and I'm not either, but it sounded like something that it's it's more of one of those experiences where I think you would just try it one time just to mm-hmm. kind of get the flair of it. Yeah, I've, I, I, I've heard, I want to say, no less than three people on your podcast talk about it mm-hmm. before. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's the exact yeah. same thing. Um, you know, you're basically, for those who, for those maybe who haven't heard those podcasts, it's basically where someone will wear these um these headphones and they light up with these specific colors depending upon the channel that you're listening to. And so you're seeing people all over the dance floor dancing to whatever kind of groove they're, they're on, but all the people with the same colored headphones are, or the same lighted headphones, I should say, are dancing the same kind of dances and stuff like that. So you could see people randomly all over the dance floor doing all these crazy things and none of them looking like they're coordinated, (laughs) but they are. Um, And then on top of that, if you take off the headphones, there's really no music except for people humming to or singing their own little lyrics to whatever is currently going on. Uh, so I'd say it's an experience probably worth exploring at least once. Yeah, yeah. I hope to do it um, on my next either Royal or Norwegian or Celebrity Cruise. Um, okay, so let's talk about the sea days as far as crowds and congestion. I know this was a med cruise, so not a lot of sea days, but how was it? We only had one sea day, um, and that was, um, you know, we took, a, we took a lot of advantage of the drink package on that day. Um, so, again, just hanging out with the friends that we made on board. Um, the Ionian Sea was great. I did a lot of workouts um, during that day, took in the hot tub. Surprisingly, we didn't do any of the casino. And another thing I know that when you, um, when you talk with people on the podcast, you ask about the smoking situation. We have a little bit of a different perspective because my husband actually is a smoker. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we're, lo- we're constantly looking for places that are non-obtrusive. And, um, you know, on various different cruises that we've gone on, I would say the celebrity did not have the best locations, I think, 
for where they place the smokers. Because I think for those that do not smoke, it is a little bit more intrusive. Uh, just for those who are aware or who, or who are not aware, on this specific ship, they had, um, like, I think it was on the port side, they had uh, a lounge area for the smokers. Um, so people really couldn't walk by without getting smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Right on the pool deck, uh, next to the pool, they had a smoking area. And then on deck 11, um, towards the back, they had another area. And that's right in the path of where people do walking and running um, on the on the outside deck. I, I've been on other ships before where they just put it in the aft of the ship. And to me, that's just a much better structure. So that way the smoke is going out away from the ship when the ship is moving. And that way nobody's really feeling it at all. So I think that's something that celebrity could learn from, and, mm-hmm. and that would be my one note to them on that piece. And speaking of the back of the ship, I mean, how awesome is the Sunset Bar? Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's it's really, really beautiful. And speaking of sunsets, oh, my gosh, the Mediterranean mm-hmm. sunsets are probably mm-hmm. some of the best I've ever seen in the world. Yeah. Only rivaled by the sunrises. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, again, I, I videotaped the whole thing. I threw it up on YouTube so everybody could see it. It's just fantastic. Yeah, we'll have to link up to that. So, um what we'll do now is we'll talk about the ports of call you went to, and uh, what I'll have you do is just give us the port of call, a highlight from that port, and just go to the next one and just carry on. The first port was uh, in Sicily. It was in Messina. Uh, we basically just stepped off to get a quick walk around. We didn't plan for anything on this specific excursion because the only excursions that we saw that were of any note were things that were related to the Godfather, which really didn't, we're not that, that that's not our target, we're not the target audience. Um, so <laughs> we st- basically stepped off to do a quick walk around the immediate uh, docking area. Uh, there, was a, there was a cathedral there in Messina, which is really pretty. Uh, there's a fountain of, there's a fountain of Orion and the clock tower that's there. So that was, that was Sicily. We were like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of nice. We had some friends that went up into the mountain area or the hillside area, had some drinks and came back down, but that was about it. So the next stop after that is Malta, and Malta is really kind of cool. Um, there's two cities that we went to there on a, on a um, excursion. That was Valletta, which is the capital city, and Medina, or Emdina, I think it's called. Um, really beautiful port as you come in. It's a walled city um, with limestone walls that are just incredibly tall. Um, they actually did some filming for the show Game of Thrones there. Um, our excursion actually took us on a tour of the city's armory, um, St. John's Cathedral, uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, and we, then we had a panoramic view of the ramparts there. Uh, I just, I really enjoyed that. Um, our next day was uh, the day at sea, and then followed by, after that, we went and um, we hit Argostoli, which is uh, Greece. And while we were in port there, we got a chance to see the uh, MSC Lyrica kind of doing donuts in the <laughs> in the lagoon there, which was kind of interesting because it's such a shallow area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went to uh, the Agios Andre uh, Monastery, which is an old monastery building uh, that's there. Really beautiful, but I think we actually uh, took a little too much time there because uh, the next area that we went to, which was this under underground lake called the um, Melisani Cave, uh, which is just extremely beautiful. It's about 50 feet under the ground, and you get a chance to go on these little boats in this in in this inside cave. Um, that really sucked up a lot of our time waiting in the queue for that, unfortunately. Um, so that 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 really took us late, and even our tour guide was a little bit like concerned about getting us back to the boat on time. So the next day after that, we went to Dubrovnik, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, Doug, I'm telling you, this is, if, 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 if your listeners have not gone to Dubrovnik, it is probably one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. It is a UNESCO heritage site, uh, old Dubrovnik city is. 
Uh, we walked the embattlements. Uh, we shopped around the city. Uh, we went to the Hillside Fortress, um, which was built. Uh, we saw some areas that had been rebuilt since the um, uh, Yugoslavian uh, War of the 1990s. Uh, there were a bunch of cats everywhere, too. That was kind of cool to see them just kind of chilling around. But they had coral jewelry. Um, they had uh, Serbian Orthodox churches there. But fair warning, it was incredibly hot that day. Um, it was hitting about 34 degrees centigrade and about 78% humidity. Yeah. So that hit me really, really hard because, of course, <laughs> I was not very smart and I did not have a hat on and I did not uh, really coat myself in you know anything that was protective of the sun. So the next day, the excursion I had to skip out on because I came down with heat stroke. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but my husband did get a chance to go on that. And he went, so it, that was in Kopar, uh, Slovenia. It was a nine-hour tour. He had a chance to go to the capital there and basically go to a lot of different areas throughout Slovenia. Um, and he said he loved it. It was just beautiful, a really cultural, beautiful experience. And then finally after that, uh, we disembarked and hit Venice. And what can I say about Venice? Yeah. It's just spectacular, every, every bit of it. So did you have to go to the infirmary for heat stroke? I did not. I was a little concerned about going to the infirmary because the way I was feeling, I was concerned that they were going to think I came down with the neurovirus or something mm-hmm. like <laughs> confined me to my quarters. So I was like, okay, let me just try and kind of nurse myself a little bit, feel like, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I went through like maybe five or six bottles of water in the morning and just slept all day long. And by the time I woke up, it was like 7 p.m. at night. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm I'm feeling significantly better now, and so, but my, the entire day had been just wasted sleeping. For yeah, me. it was terrible. So, and, and that's my, that's my learning experience for the next time. Yeah, absolutely. So the cruise ends in Venice. How was the debarkation process there? Debarkation was extremely quick, and when I mean extremely quick, I mean like we woke up at seven a.m. Um, disembarkation was called for our deck at nine a.m. Once I heard it. Um, we went, we went to the main atrium area, which is where they were disembarking everybody. They do glad-handing. <laughs> you get to shake hands with all the crew members mm-hmm. and, and the people who helped you. We, there was no line for us when they, called our, when they called our number. So we were off the ship in less than five minutes. We went to pick up our bags, which was another five minutes. And we got to the water taxi station in another five minutes. So I'd say a total of 15 minutes, and we were ready to go to Venice. Wow. Now, did you do any uh, post-cruise time there? Oh, absolutely. We hit about three days in Venice. Nice. Uh, first day, because we were there so early, I thought we were in the wrong place because like, nobody was on the streets <laughs> at 7 a.m. in the morning. Apparently, most people like get up and start moving around Venice around 9 a.m. 9 and, mm-hmm. and 10 a.m. at that point. And that's when a lot of the shops started to open. But I have a video of myself in St. Mark's, and there's probably like 10 people in the entire square besides myself. And like, this is something you will never see again. Um, I, I, I took a, I took a video from the top of the, uh, from the top of the uh, Rialto bridge and the entire street is empty. And it was like, it's sunlight. There's, you know, clearly <laughs> it's daytime, but it was, it was so weird. Uh, Cause as you know, and I'm sure you've been to Venice a number of times, it just gets so congested and so busy as the day goes on. Um, but yeah, we stayed there for a day. That night, we actually um, had this amazing seven-course dinner on a galley, um, or a, like one of these old like merchant ships that goes inside the lagoon in the Venice mm-hmm. Lagoon. Uh, so that was just amazing. The next day, we took a train out to Verona, and had, that was just an amazing excursion as well. And then the final day, we just spent shopping for all of our friends and getting ready for our flight the next day. 
Yeah, you mentioned St. Mark's Square being empty. I'd like to see that video because when I was there, it was um, early September and it was in the afternoon. But, dude, you couldn't walk through there. It was shoulder to shoulder. We were having to hold hands even get through people because it was just impossible to move there. I have the proof. I'll 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 I'll, I'll tell you. I, I have it on my YouTube site, and if you let me, if you let me plug that. I'll, I'll yeah, just a yeah, bit. yeah, for sure. Send me the links, and I'll um, link them up in the show notes. Um, well, do you have any f- first time tips for someone sailing either um, the Med or Celebrity Infinity? Please, please, please bring plenty of protection um, with you. Uh, please bring a hat. Please bring some sunblock, um, preferably SPF thirty or higher, maybe even fifty if you're sensitive to the sun. I think that's really, really important because you never know the situation. Even in places like Alaska, the sun can hit you without warning. Um, just, again, please do yourself a favor. Even even though you may think you're macho, just don't <laughs> don't risk that kind of situation for yourself. Yeah. Please, please bring plenty of protection. Um, another thing I would say that I thought was kind of cool um, – you know, look for the activity groups. You may find something that really appeals to you and meet some really fascinating and interesting people. I've made some friends that even after the cruise, we're still friends and, and we're communicating and doing a lot of different things together. So that was really fun. And then again, the situation with the with the cruise ship and, and specifically what I talked to you earlier about with my bag and my luggage. Um, I'm one of the people that I, I don't believe that, you know, screaming or carrying on is really going to do anything to perpetuate the situation. So I, I think be patient, you know, be kind. These people are there. They're, they're trying to help you out as best they possibly can. So just uh, let them do their job and, 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 and work within the boundaries of what they're going to be able to help provide you. And if something doesn't fit right later on, work to take care of it later. But in the meantime, you're on vacation. Try and make this about yourself. Have fun with it. Final thoughts of Celebrity Infinity. I think it was a decent-sized ship um, with lots of places to visit. Um, I, the kid-to-adult ratio was low uh, to average, which is, which is good for me because I'm an older kind of guy, and I, and I appreciate that uh, kind of getting around. Um, excellent food on, si- on, on, on almost every single place we went there. Um, but as I made mention to you, I think, previously, I'm an insomniac, so I kind of like places that do have and provide 24-hour service. Um, while they do have that room service, which is great, uh, there are other ships and things that are out there that do have um, facilities on board that will provide you that. So I, I think before you decide to book a cruise, you want to find and make sure that these places are the best fit for you. Very good. And Scott, where can we see these videos you were talking about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can go to my uh, YouTube page at The Professor Travel. Um, that's my YouTube page. Um, it's also available on Facebook and Instagram at that same location. We'll also link that up in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Scott, my friend, it was great talking to you. Welcome home, and thanks for the review. Uh, thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, Cruise Radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. If you're listening to this, I just want to tell a quick story here. I was over in Lake Tahoe over the weekend, and I was my body was getting adjusted to the altitude, like 8,000 feet up, nose bleeding, and then I got this really nasty sinus infection. So it wasn't the best time over there, but I brought it back to Jacksonville with me. So I've been down the whole week, and this show 
I don't want to say almost didn't happen, but I was really pushing it because uh, I woke up from sleeping like 10 hours and then I was like, oh crap, I haven't done a show. I frantically rang Sherry and uh, we got it worked out late this evening, which I'm talking about Wednesday evening right now. So I just wanted to say thanks for bearing with me. If you heard a lot of noise and everything during the interview, it was my tea clanking against the desk in here because uh, I just was... I'm halfway out of it, to be honest with you. So thanks for listening. Very grateful for you. And we'll talk to you on Sunday with Cruise Radio Rewind. Take care.